that you've taken a wander around. Happy bank holiday. It's a great day today. The sun is shining on a bank holiday. Very important day. It's an important day for lots of reasons, one of which is for my football team. So, you know theologically you can't really make an argument for God supporting one team over another. And I'm, I'm sure the Lord loves the good people of Cardiff City and their team. Um, but I'm secretly praying for my boys. So we're all right in this service because kickoff is half past twelve, so I'm not going to be distracted. Um, but bear me in your prayers in the next service because half past twelve will be towards the end of my talk. And I'm going to try and keep my phone in my pocket. We're also starting a new teaching series this morning. We're going to talk about a really difficult subject. Uh, it's more difficult than talking about sex or politics. I'm going to talk about money. It's a difficult topic because whilst we might share with other people things about our relational life, um, you know, sex, struggles in particular areas, addictions maybe, rarely does anyone share with another person details of their salary or their giving. It's taboo. It's a very private area of life. So we're kicking into this new series which we've entitled Excelling in Generosity. And it leads up to a weekend in two weekends time, commitment weekend, across the 19th and the 20th of May. So why talk about this subject? I'm going to start just by reading a couple of verses from Mark's Gospel. This is Mark chapter 12. This is why I think this is important. So, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. That's where he chose to sit when he went into the temple that day. And watch the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So just imagine that this morning as the bucket went past you, Jesus was sat looking. And many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Now, if you're familiar with the story, Jesus goes on to commend this widow and just say that her giving was extraordinary. And what I think it shows us is that Jesus takes an active interest in our finances and in our giving. He takes an active interest. He knows how money can have control over us. And so he speaks about money a lot. If you look through the Gospels, around about 25% of Jesus' stories or parables use either money as the example or as the point of the story. He talks about it a lot. And so we're going to look this morning at some words that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, could you uh, turn to that? You might use a device. Uh, the words will come up on the screen in a moment. Uh, Paul's writing to Christian people in Corinth, a city called Corinth. And he is writing to Christians. So if you're here this morning and you say, well, I, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus, I'm, I'm delighted that you're here, and right now, you're off the hook. So breathe easy. Breathe easy. But I hope you hear something of the life that Jesus invites you into. And in the middle of today's text, we're going to read a verse where Paul commends the Corinthians because they excel in all sorts of things. But he says this to them, see that you excel in this grace of giving. Shall we pray? And then we'll read these verses from 2 Corinthians. Lord, thank you so much 
for today. Lord, thank you that the sun is shining. Lord, thank you that we have breath in our lungs. Lord, thank you for everything that you give to us. And Lord, thank you for the incredible gift of the Bible. And Lord, as we share some thoughts this morning, as we share together this morning about this area of life which is so incredibly important, and yet an area that we so often keep private, Lord, I want to ask more than anything that your word would speak to us. More than anything that I say, more than any things we've heard in the past, Lord, more than anything we will hear your voice. And so we welcome you to speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So see that you excel in this grace of giving. How might you do that? This is what Paul writes. I'm going to read from verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 8. He says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Just a bit of history here. Uh, what seems to have going on is that people in Jerusalem were hard-pressed. There's probably a famine in the city. And so these people in Macedonia responded. They were already fairly poor, but they responded in rich generosity. And so Paul uses them as an example of what it means to excel in generous giving. And so let's read on. This is some of the things that he then commands. So first three, he says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they went beyond our expectations. Having given themselves first of all to the Lord, they gave themselves by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as we had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want, you, I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your needs. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there may be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. The question I want to ask this morning is what characterizes 
someone who excels in general? What is their life like? So imagine you're uh, on your online banking and you're setting up your gift to the church, or you're filling out a standing order form, or, or you're, you're putting your gift in a giving envelope. What, what is Jesus looking for? What is Jesus looking for? Well, here are six things that I believe that he's looking for. First is this. To excel in generosity is to be extravagant. So in verse 2, Paul says that they welled up in rich generosity. Verse 3 says that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. You might remember a story in the Gospels. Jesus uh, goes out for dinner one evening and this woman comes up and she falls at his feet and she cracks open this jar of perfume and anoints his feet. Just to, it was a beautifully gracious act. And if you read the text, it seems that that jar of perfume was worth one year's salary. So you can quantitate that in your own head, what, what that kind of means. This, this was an extravagant act, a lavish act of worship. The um, Christian author C.S. Lewis Yeah. 
to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. That's exceeding expectations. Great question to ask yourself, myself. Does my giving exceed expectations? Fourth thing. There might be a pattern here. All my words this morning begin with E. I don't normally alliterate things, but it just fell out this morning. Fourth thing. Christians know their giving is going to be examined. Christians understand that. Verse 8, Paul says that he was testing the sincerity of their love. Jesus um, told a story once. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 25. And the story he told was of a guy who had money, resources, and he entrusted it to a number of his servants. Different amounts. And then he went off on his travels, and he came back sometime later. And he summons those servants to him, and basically says to them, what did you do with what I gave you? With what you were entrusted? What did you do with it? And the point of the story is simply this. The guy is going to ask each of us what we did with what we were given. He's going to ask us, what did we do with our time? What did we do with our gifts? What did we do with our abilities? What did we do? And I believe that he's also going to ask us, what did we do with our money? And so again, it's another challenging question to ask myself and I'll ask you this morning. If God examined our giving today, would we pass the test? Because Christians understand that our giving is going to be examined. Would we pass the test? To excel in giving, follow the example of Jesus. Verse 9. This is right at the heart of this text that we've read this morning. And I'll, I'll, I'll read it again for us. And if you're thinking, who's Peter Coyle, isn't it? So, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus had everything. All the glory of heaven and he emptied himself. He humbled himself. He gave everything for people like you and me. He surrendered everything that he had into the hands of his father. That is a great example to follow. If we think about the whole of our lives, including our finances, including our money, am I doing the same? everything that I have into the hands of God. And sixth thing, last thing I'm going to share on this. To excel in giving is to embrace equality for sacrifice. You notice that it's popped up a couple of times in the last couple of verses that we read. Verses 13 and 14, Paul writes this, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. And in the next verse he says, the goal is equality. What does that mean? The goal is, I believe, that everyone gives with equal sacrifice. Not equal amounts, but equal sacrifice. And so, for someone, giving £100 to the church might be a huge deal. Might be a huge amount. For another person, £100 might be loose change in the bottom of their pocket. For one person,
Actually giving 10% may feel like a huge step. For another person, giving 10% may not be a stretch at all. You see, the question is one of sacrifice. Is my giving easily managed, or is there a cost? Is there a sacrifice that I feel? So six E's this morning. Six characteristics that I believe um, will help us to excel in generosity. Extravagant, being eager, exceeding expectations, knowing that it's going to be examined, following the example of Jesus, and understanding and embracing this principle of equal sacrifice. So what I want to do now is build off that foundation and talk practically with us this morning. So if you're here and you're just visiting this morning, or you're not part of this church, maybe you're visiting family for the weekend, could you just bear with us? I, w- I want to talk some stuff um, for the church family here. See, each year we teach through a series on finances, on money, simply because it is so important. And each year we encourage everyone that's a part of our church to review their giving to God and to the ministry of this church. And it is one of the commitments that we ask everyone who considers themselves part of this church to make. You might be familiar with six commitments that we ask people to make. To engage with the Bible each day, to be part of a small group, to be part of a weekend service, to serve on a team, to engage in your community, but also to give generously. What are those six commitments? And so one of the things I want to encourage everyone as part of our church to do is to be doing just that, to be reviewing our giving at this time of year. And as I've said, it leads up to a commitment weekend um, over the 19th and 20th of May. So if you are in a small group in this church, or you're on one of our serving teams, then there is a letter um, on a table at the back which has your name on it. It is addressed to you. And so I'd love you to pick that up this morning, because that will save us having to post it out. Um, If there isn't one for you, and you are in a group or on a team, then I want to apologize in advance. Um, It is quite possible that your group or team leader hasn't updated us, um, and so we didn't have that record. For others, there is a whole load of blank envelopes on the table at the back. So maybe you've more recently come along to the church, you've not yet found yourself into a group or onto a team. Um, I don't want you to miss out. I would love everybody here to go home with a letter this morning to say there are unaddressed ones on the blank if that's uh, helpful to you. So in that letter, you'll find uh, a couple of things that we're asking everyone to engage with over the next couple of weeks in this area of prayerfully reviewing our giving. And I want to encourage us to think in these two main areas. The first is in the area of our regular giving, what we might refer to as tithing, our regular giving back to God. I want to encourage everyone that's a part of this church to think biblically about this. Biblically about how we go about trusting God with our money. And so to help us to do that, because I know this is such a a private area very often, uh, we have um, revised and updated a brochure which is called Generous Giving. What does the Bible say about money? There, these are out on the seats this morning. Can I encourage you, you know, to grab one of these? Because I want to I want us to really be thinking and, and tapping in 
to the wisdom of the Bible as it talks about our money. And so, in this, we answer a, a bunch of questions. For example, here's a couple I've picked out. Should my giving go to the local church that I'm a part of? And you'll see in this that my answer to that question is yes. I, I believe that the first portion of our giving, what we might call our tithe, should go to the local church that we're a part of. Not a previous church that we were a part of, uh, not a church in another part of the world that we love, but the church that we are a part of. Another question we ask is, is the idea of tithing applicable to us? You see it in the Old Testament, what does it mean to us who've lived after the, 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 the coming of Jesus? And my answer to that is that the pattern of tithing can be a really helpful foundation for generous giving. A yardstick for our generosity. So I commend that to you. Would you grab that um, and have a read through that? Now one of the things that I did want to do this morning was to update you a little bit on our finances as a church right now. I don't want to raise concern, um, but I do want to share the future in my mind. You know, we want to be family. I'm imagining us sitting around a dinner table and saying, hey, let's, do, let's just have a chat about where we are right now as a family. The reality of where we are as a family right now is that our finances are a little bit squeezed. Our costs are a bit higher than they were last year. Um, the staff team are doing a fantastic job in managing expenditure. We've had to make some adjustments over the recent months. The area that's of greatest issue to us is our giving income. Right now, this year, our giving income is 9% lower than it was at this time last year. And that despite there being 10 to 15% more people than there were last year. That's where we are right now. And so this is starting to impact some of the things that we are able to do as a church. And we don't want it to impact even more significantly or have to make even more significant adjustments. So how can we respond to that as a family? The first thing I want to do is to encourage you to pray. Would you pray for this area of our family life together? And the second thing we need to do is to just be giving together. And so as, as I think about giving, giving is a really important part of discipleship, of following Jesus, of walking with God. How do you walk? This is not a trick question. How do you walk? The way that I walk is right, left, right, left. Most of you do that? That's how walking happens, one step at a time. How does that relate to giving and our finances? It relates in this way, but I want to encourage everyone to take the next step. So, for some here, maybe you've never given. I want to encourage you, take the next step. Begin to give. Maybe you give sporadically. Maybe you give randomly, just when you remember. I want to encourage you to give regularly. If you give regularly, but haven't engaged with this whole thing of tithing, my challenge to you is to begin to tithe. And if you tithe, you to explore extravagant generosity. That's how we walk, one step after another. That's the first area. I want to invite everyone that's a part of our church to prayerfully review your regular giving. 
second thing is giving to our ongoing development of our church center here. Can you, can you believe that it was almost a year ago when we opened the foyer? How many of you would have think it's always been there? No, it hasn't. Last June, we opened the foyer next door. And I was thinking about this in the week. I can barely remember what life was like before that. And so I had to remind myself that for the two years before that, we all came in that alleyway. Do you remember that? That dark, wet, cold alleyway at the time? And in through the door at the back while the building work was going on. It's a year since we opened that foyer. And it has enabled some wonderful things in the life of our church. The drop-in cafe that runs every Thursday morning has been an incredible blessing. And the source uh, that runs for our children, I think, is just amazing. In fact, one of the families in this church sent me a little, sent for a little video in the week where she had just caught her daughter sat at a keyboard at home singing worship songs since she'd learned at the source. Just amazing. Um, live music night a, a month or so back. The, the gathering meets in there. Alpha, Connect, and Vida have all enjoyed meeting in that space. I, I think the road access off of the main road there has been an incredible blessing to us. Again, that wasn't there a year ago. The lift is now in, and the cafe is being finished off. So, as we think ahead into the, into the next you know, few years of our life together as a church, there are some things that the Lord has been speaking to us as a, as a leadership team very clearly about over the last probably couple of years. And one of the things that the Lord is giving us vision to explore is new local sites of Riverside Vineyard Church in communities around us so that we would become one church, many places. The Lord is giving vision to us. And so I've shared this map before. I'll share it again. Here are just some of the possibilities that we're starting to think into and to pray into. So uh, out on the west, places like Spades and Egham in the south, around towards Weybridge and Adelston, and then further north up towards Slough and Hayes and Acton and Ely. Things that we're starting to explore as a church. Now, as we explore these kind of things, there's lots that we're going to need to do. We're absolutely going to need to pray and pray hard. We're going to need to do a lot of planning and preparation. But we also need to prepare financially. And so as I've been thinking about this, I've been reminded of the interaction between God and Joshua and between God and the people of Israel as they were about to move into their next stage of their future. As God was um, inviting them, propelling them to take their next step in vision. And you'll find it in Joshua chapter 1. And the verse 11 of that account, God says to Joshua and to the people there, he says, get your provisions ready. Get ready for the next stage of the journey. What does that mean for us? Well, one thing that will significantly help us and help all of us as a family to press into the vision that God has given us is if we could reduce or ideally eliminate our mortgage borrowing. That would make a massive difference to us. And mortgage borrowing currently stands at about £400,000 because we had to increase our borrowing uh, to make sure that we could finish uh, the build out there. But we would love to pay off our 
So I want to ask that as you think about your giving, as you review things at this time of year, are you able to join us in giving towards our church centre development over and above your regular giving? And you'll find details of that um, in these letter packs at the back. Um, there are ways to maybe give a one-off gift on Commitment Weekend or to uh, set up a pledge for the coming year or, or a monthly scheme of donations over this coming year. So if you're a part of our church, could I ask you please to pick up one of these envelopes? really important. Um, and in the envelope you'll find, here I'm opening mine. I know what's in it because I wrote it. Um, you'll find um, a letter that we've written and you'll find this response card. And I want to encourage you to prayerfully um, think about this, to pray into this, um, and to complete this card and to bring it with you to one of the services over the weekend of the 19th or 20th of May. Or if you know you're going to be away that day, uh, you can simply send it into the church office um, either ahead of that or around that time. The last thing I want to say this morning is some of you may be thinking, Andy, that's all great, but I don't want to fill out a response card because surely our giving should be anonymous. Surely our giving should be anonymous. I just want to talk about that very briefly. This is one of the questions that we raise in this brochure. Because people who um, raise that kind of question or concern generally point to some of Jesus' teaching. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And people will use that verse to say, Well, surely that means that our giving should be anonymous. That I shouldn't write it down anywhere, it should just be under the cover of darkness. You might remember another story, and it's the one that I started with at the start of my talk. The story in Mark chapter 12, where Jesus turns up at the, the synagogue, and the seat that he decides to take was the one right opposite the offering bucket, opposite the temple treasury. That's where he chose to sit down. And he looked at everyone's giving. And he highlights the giving of this widow who gave two copper coins, worth almost nothing. And yet he commends her giving. And that observation has been spoken about for the last 2,000 years. Is that anonymous? Was that widow's giving anonymous? The answer, if you're wondering, is no. And you can say that. It's all right. You can say that. Her giving was not anonymous. Jesus does not keep her gift anonymous. You see, my point is this. If what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 is about anonymity, Jesus then goes on to completely contradict his teaching by what he does in Mark chapter 12. Jesus is not talking about anonymity in Matthew chapter 6, in my opinion. What Jesus is addressing in Matthew chapter 6 is people who were boasting about their giving. That's what he was doing. He was not addressing anonymity. He was addressing people that were going around saying, look how great my giving is. That's what he was doing. So, can I encourage you, if you're a part of our church, not to be shy. These forms are kept very confidential, but please be transparent in your giving. Okay, wonderful. I appreciate that talking about things like money is not easy. Um, I, I hope I've not made anyone feel uncomfortable this morning. That was not my aim or heart at all. My simple aim this morning 
is, as it always is, that I want everybody in this church to do incredibly well in every area of our life. And this area, in my experience as a Christian and as a pastor, is incredibly important. And so one sign for me of someone doing really well as a follower of Jesus is when we say no to being controlled by money, when we surrender our finances to Jesus, and when we excel in generosity. Those are signs that we are doing well as disciples. And you see, my experience is this, is that the Lord teaches us more through money than almost any other way this side of glory. He teaches us so much through how we handle our money. And so I want to close by simply saying this. Would you be someone like me who says yes to being taught by Jesus? Says yes to bringing this area of your life and my life to Jesus, expecting that he will speak to you, that he will guide you, and that you can trust him as I'm trying to trust him with everything that I have. Would you say yes to him? If you're able, could I invite you to stand? just love to pray for us all, and then we'll have an opportunity, if you'd love someone to come and pray with you, um, you know, to come on forward, and, and you know, we can make, you know, people come and uh, stand with you this morning. But let me, just, let me just pray for us. Lord Jesus, once again, we acknowledge that everything comes from you. Everything we have is a gracious gift. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, but we thank you because you are so generous.
is the one who, who interferes in our business whether we ask him to or not. And Lord, I want to ask that in the ways that only you know how, that you would interfere in this area of our life for the sake of your kingdom. In Jesus' name.